Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Welcome into the Growler edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison are here with you. Shout out to the Bengal Boys. That was the the skater punk version of our intro that they they fired off for us. We've been, you know we've been running with the jazz one for a while. This, it just it, it was nice. I really I really enjoyed it. But this is a you know I feel like Bengals fans are more in a in their 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 point of view right now, their their emotions right now is much more skater punk than soft jazz. So it felt like a, it felt like the right way to go. Angsty sounds like yeah. the right term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite angsty. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. How about you? Uh, we're doing good. I'm excited to talk about the Dayton Triangles in today's episode. Um because anytime anytime we can bring up either the Los Angeles Dons or the Dayton Triangles, we're getting into historic futility stats. Some of my favorites. Some of my favorites. And you've got some of those that we're going to get to. Um, we're going to talk. Of course, Ben Standig is here from uh, the D.C. beat from the football team. Um, our insider there with the Athletic, um, along with Rhiannon Walker, do an incredible job on that beat, which has been honestly drowning in storylines this year like it's it's unbelievable how much has happened in washington they they are the 2020 of football teams like it's just been insane it's just every day is a new crazy news cycle for them which right now has included this remarkable comeback with alex smith we talk about that that chase young their pass rush many 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 other things really good insight into the bengal's task at hand on sunday in what is a huge game and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that and um We'll get into some of the logistics, health, or some health things with the Bengals. Where's their offensive line at? Where's Joe Mixon at? Where's the cornerbacks at? These positions that have been kind of decimated. I have a incredibly challenging growler bet. I'm done giving away these growlers. So, Jay, I think you might even be arguing that it's going to be too hard. Yeah, I mean... This is like the sadistic nun in Catholic school that's just out for payback, <laughs> not happy with her life decision, and just uh, you, uh, nobody's going to win this week. You guys can try, but nobody's going to win. Well, that sounds good. That's kind of how I want to be viewed with that right now. <laughs> Paul, the sadistic nun. I can go for that. I can go for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so all of that is coming your way. Also, uh, just a heads up. Um. Our, if you listen to the lead podcast, uh, which is sort of our national daily 15, 20 minutes every morning on a different topic, uh, yours truly was on there talking about Joe Burrow. It's a lot of stuff. If you listen to this pod, you've probably already heard um, and some stuff from the Burrow sode a couple weeks ago. Uh, but new, fresh content on Joe Burrow in your life. If you want to just go over to the lead, um, you can find it on all the outlets 
Spotify, iTunes, or right here on our athletic app and go listen to today's episode, which is up uh, with myself, Kavitha Davison, Anders Kelto, producer. They do a great job over there. A lot of fun working with them. Uh, so more Borough content for your life at the lead today. Um, I have a mailbag up with lots and lots of questions about what's going to change in the future that you had. Doing my best to give educated guesses on that stuff. Um you know, I wrote in Twib a little bit about, you know, people, a lot of people are asking the, is Zach Taylor going to survive question? You know, we're, it's, there's just so much still to be decided as that goes. And I wrote about this and we talked on Tuesday about the critical four game stretch coming up. So we get into that, um, a little bit there. We talk about Luana Rumo's potential future, um, AJ Green, uh, what else? There was, you guys, you guys were all wanting change and I get it understandable but trying to address what i think will won't happen what's what's crazy what's over the moon what's yeah maybe um andrew whitworth hall of fame case was brought up to me which i enjoyed diving into i believe he's going to get in and i think he is going to be the first pro football focus hall of famer i've made this argument many times i'm guessing jay's probably heard it many times but um i explained that uh in the mailbag as well so go check that out if you want to uh, Jay, what do you – you just had something come out yet. Where, where, where do you got up so we can tease real quick? Right now I'm uh, working on what measures success for the Bengals in the second half of the season. Obviously wins and losses, but what beyond that? And that that should be up later today. And then I will have the, uh, the standard cheat sheet um, on Friday that kind of looks at the next-gen stats and matchups, O-line versus D-line, running backs versus linebackers, et cetera. Your question about that caused a little bit of a viral hubbub uh, to Joe Burrow yesterday where everyone loved his answer. When you asked uh, outside of wins and losses, what is progress in the second half of the season? And he said, wins and losses. <laughs> Zach said the same thing. He did. He did. And I think it's fitting. And I think, you know, especially for Zach, and we talked about this last week. Yeah, there's really nothing else. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else left. You know, this is no longer about progress. This is no longer about development. This is no. This is about proof of concept for this coaching staff and needing to go win games. Uh, that's all there is to it, especially in these next four. If you want more on that and you didn't listen on Tuesday, go back and listen on Tuesday. We talk a lot about that. Um, let's talk about where this team is at heading into this game specifically. You know, people. everybody wants to know about Joe Mixon. You know, it's lingering, man. Like, it's just this thing is just his his foot injury just continues to linger. We will know more as the week goes along if they plan on bringing him back. He's still yet to be a limited participant. You know, what I've seen of him on the side has not looked too bad. Um, Jay, you were down there yesterday. Did, did, you, did he work out on the side? What did he do on Wednesday? No, he was in the portion that was open to the media. He was not out there at all. So that is concerning we have seen him in a hoodie kind of hanging out and doing some stuff uh but not out there at all yesterday while we were there that's the first half hour of practice but um yeah that's it's i thought from zach's comments going into pittsburgh about you know we're we're not trying to rush him back for this game we're trying to make sure we have him for the most games remaining and it, it just felt like you know maybe he was a week away and that this would be the week we would see him back but it you know, it, it's not looking like that now with him not being out there at all on a Wednesday. Day to day uh, was how it was put, but you know, you got to read through the lines here. It's called day to day by by Coach Taylor. Um, while other guys that are more likely to play this week were given more 
specific. Oh, yeah, back in action, limited, you know, looking good, trending right direction. Joe Mixon, day to day. So, you know, and I, and, I, and you know, so I, I guess at this point, you know, gut, gut and logic would probably say don't expect Mixon on Sunday, but we'll see. Maybe that changes on Thursday and Friday if he gets a little bit more involved. The offensive line, though, is starting to give a little bit of hope that they're going to get healthier, although, you know, the group that's been out there has done okay. Most importantly, it looks like Jonah Williams is going to be back. Um, and that's good. He he returns to practice as full participant with his stinger on Wednesday, and that was the thing he didn't do last week, and that had him out. So that is a big deal. So all signs point to him being your starting left tackle uh, on Sunday against Washington. Yeah, and now you've got Bobby Hart returned. He's he was limited with the knee, um, and then curious Alex Redmond showed up with a he was limited with a biceps uh, injury. So that kind of cracks open the door there possibly for Quentin Spain to 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 slide in there and play it start at guard after starting at tackle last week if they've got their tackles back, um, and we still um, haven't seen Xavier Suafilo. Um, do anything. I mean, he's still on IR, but he's a, but he's in the window. He's in the twenty-one he's, day he's, window. You're right. right now. He's midway. He, he was about. he was at practice yesterday, but there there's you you wonder how soon he's ready to come back because once that window flies open, you, they're expecting it. If there's not a setback, you expect the guy to be back in that window and um. I think when does that that would expire next week? I believe. Yeah, because three so. it was three weeks he came in before the last game. So yeah, I would think that they probably could hold him out of next week, uh, and then he they would need to make a decision after that uh, of activating him or IRing him, um, which I can't. I would imagine that they would activate. Yeah, uh, you would. Yeah. You would think. I mean, it's been since the opener, and the fact that he's back in practice now. Like I said, unless there's a setback, he seems on track to be back soon I, i'm kind of curious what happens with akima denigy here yeah. um you know he's played well but he's played well at left tackle they talked about you know if you're going to go out there and you haven't really played a lot um they love the instincts of going out there and playing the position that you've played the most which was left tackle and he's done well there well when jonah williams comes back i i think you could make an argument for moving jonah williams to right tackle because he probably maybe you feel he'd be more equipped and confident to go over there and play the other side if you wanted to p- still play a denigy um but I'm curious if he just reverts back to swing tackle. Um, if you consider putting him in there at right tackle, if Bobby Hart isn't quite ready to go, um, I, I'm curious how that works out. And and then having you know maybe Spain in there at right guard for Redmond. You know, I think. Yeah, look, I, I think we learned with the penalty and the sack given up in two huge spots in the middle of the Pittsburgh game on Alex Redman that, that that's what you're playing with that's what Alex Redman is maybe he brings you a lot this this and that and saltiness and run game and finishing and the things that they love to talk about with him he also brings you penalties and blown pass protection once or twice a game like that's just what it is so um meanwhile Quentin Spain is just playing all over the lot he's potential to play for th- in three positions in three different games i mean i really would like to see him just go f- Let's see. If he play, what would they be? Nine games. If can we get him to play nine of the eleven positions? Can we get him out there at receiver? I think we could probably get him some tight end work. Hand him the he ball can, at fullback. He could break Dave Lapham's record. Yeah, 
<laughs> I mean, at this point. So I, I just, it feels like a logical, easy next move for Quentin Spain, who has quickly earned a lot of respect in the room. Uh, to go in at right guard and then have whatever happens at right tackle, which maybe is the question that probably just depends on how how healthy Bobby Hart really is. You, know, you mentioned the question about tackle about Jonah. I'm curious what what you think they should do because I'm Jonah's obviously the future. I don't know if you can say that Hakeem Adeniji is is the future at this point after just a couple solid performances. Do you? Do you really want to flip Jonah to to right tackle? And I mean, he's still in his first year playing. Um, I, I don't know how much that that comes as a struggle or stunts his development or any of those things. It, it would almost seem like you know, you even though Hakeem is more comfortable at left when Jonah's ready to go, he needs to go back at left tackle and and let Hakeem figure it out on the right side. Yeah, I mean, potentially, but you know, when they had injuries that put them in a spot where Fred Johnson was in, they moved Fred from left to right and put Adenogy in at left. I'm not saying you would do this permanently. I'm saying for a one game, if you're, you know, Bobby can't go, Fred's still COVID list, whatever, and you don't really want to put Spain out there again. You know, if you're talking a one game fix, uh, are you, you know, if Adenogy has done pretty well at left tackle, put Jonah at right tackle for a game to get you through and then everybody moves back after that. If if that's what you feel like is your best chance of you know not having both sides one of the two sides blow up. I don't know. It's just it's sort of talking through it. That's been their method with him thus far. Adenji that is. That's been their method is put him at left and move whoever the other guy is over to right. Do you I mean do you do that with the number 11 overall pick from 19? I don't, you know, I don't know, but I think you could hear an argument for that at the very least it just in a, in a short span yeah big long term long range most of the rest of this year jonah left tackle makes sense might be worth taking a little walk this afternoon downtown and going across the bridge and oh, just, just, just a walk it's a just nice just day to, yeah. just because it's a nice day yeah maybe <laughs> maybe just check out the the heavy traffic on the clayway Bra- bailey bridge with the yeah Prince Pence. i've heard it's really eventful down there traffic wise and you just sometimes you just need to go for a walk uh, to really get a view of how the people are handling what's happening with the Brent Spence. I, I, yeah, you got to do that. Um, at cornerback, there's also good news. Um, it looks like Mackenzie Alexander and LaShawn Sims are both tracking through protocol to return this weekend from concussions. And Lord knows what was happening there. Uh, with Jalen Davis, Tony Brown playing last week, at least this way, you would now have to have an injury for either of those guys to come back out there. Um, so good news in that regard. There's a couple of other names we have to learn on the practice squad now. Uh, <laughs> at corner, <laughs> more guys to add to that list. So I guess that would be corner 11 and 12. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure where they are on the depth chart the original beginning of the year depth chart uh, when you get into these guys and how deep they've had to go. Um, But I think if all goes well and nobody gets hurt this week or this weekend, you would have William Jackson, the third Mackenzie Alexander and LaShawn Sims as your three cornerbacks out there for the majority of the game for the Bengals, which is a little bit more of a breath of fresh air than they were dealing with against Pittsburgh. Still concerning though, if, if the Bengals stick with their, their mo and don't travel the corners and washington decides to put terry mclaurin over on Lashawn sims side most of the game that that could be a problem yep 
uh, which I'm glad you brought up. Uh, we'll get it. I bring that up with Ben standing uh, and uh, how teams have treated Terry McLaurin this year. And, and if there's been any method that's had any range of success, including traveling, because I, you know, I think there's a certainly an argument to be made with William Jackson doing some of that this weekend when you consider uh, how much better William Jackson is than LaShawn Sims and how much better Terry McLaurin is than their other receivers, uh, you know, where maybe you should just try to keep that matchup going as much as possible. Um, you know, I talked to Zach Taylor about that uh, on Wednesday and he's, you know, he said, well, you you're not always in man. You're doing zone. You know, there's guys get comfortable on one side. They have done it before against Philadelphia. They did it uh, with Will, but you got to have the right matchup. I think they have the right matchup. It's hard to do all game, but I think you could see it happening some on Sunday with William Jackson. So let's let's do this. Let's bring in Ben Standing uh, and talk a little bit about where the Washington football team is at, and then we'll come back with a little bit more on this game and things to expect and. Uh, the Bengals road woes, which is always a fun topic. All right, before we continue, let's just take a quick break. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying, or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind-the-scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right now, uh, welcoming in our good friend from the beat in DC, Ben Standing. Uh, you, you, you know we've uh, we're, we're unfamiliar foes a little bit uh, in that you don't see a ton of crossover with Washington and the Bengals. It's always interesting to check in to another place that enjoys their ownership as much as the Bengals fans do. Uh, <laughs> how, how are things in Washington? You know, we've got. Uh, there's just, it seems like it's been a lot of fun there this year. Yeah, it's been, it's been a ride. Um, obviously, you know, 2020 has been nightmarish for just about all of us. The, the, uh, the, the fun here from the football perspective really began, it, it really almost never stopped other than like a little lull, uh, late spring, early summer, but like starting like early July, really things started to take off. That was around the time when the Washington Post reported about the uh, reports of harassment inside the building. And it was just off from there uh, on the field, off the field, even some things like on the positive front, like Alex Smith returning to uh, training camp practice, let alone where we are now where he's actually the starting quarterback. Uh, But it's been a crazy journey. Obviously Ron Rivera also had cancer that he's just gone through that treatment. Um, We've had um, three different quarterbacks. Um, start games this year, including the benching of Dwayne Haskins, caused quite the uproar for for some factions of the fan base. So yeah, it's been the journey. And now, of course, on you know from just the football perspective, they're two and seven. There are signs. There's some positive signs here and there, which maybe we can get into. But it's it's sort of the to some degree the same old, same old. No matter how much has changed, this is a team that isn't really close yet to uh, to winning. But there's at least some hope with a new coaching staff and so on. And and, and they're the football team now. 
Uh, oh yeah, you know, also, I forgot about also. that. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my 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 bad. Yeah, how could I forget? We can, I can't even call them their name any their their old name anymore. Uh, yes, yes, the football team. It's uh, yes, 100%. it's all quite it's all quite it's all quite surreal. But to to stick, you know, to kind of stick with Sunday, where. You know, the one thing that seemed to be, you know, in just a general view from over here was obviously the offense struggled so mightily early. They move on from Haskins. You had a piece writing this week about the change in the in recent weeks offensively. Is there is there a sense of hope offensively with, you know, the second half, certainly last week with Alex Smith and what he started to show that that maybe they are starting to figure some things out from what had kind of been really dragging them down earlier in the year? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody's confusing them with the greatest show on turf or anything along those lines. But the, I think so much, you know, there's a lot that goes into the, when they decide to bench Dwayne Haskins after four games, and and we don't have to get into all the minutia. But on some very basic level, Dwayne Haskins just for you want to call it inexperience or lack of understanding of the position, they really could not open up the playbook a lot. And we had a lot of questions about did they have enough playmakers on the team? How is the offensive line? And some of those things are still. In play, but the but the, probably the biggest example is just efficiency. The first four weeks of the season, Washington was dead last in the NFL in third down conversions, about thirty three percent. Since week six, so that's four games for them. With they had a bye week in there with either Kyle Allen or Alex Smith starting, they're now lead the league in that stretch at fifty percent of their conversions. Now they're not scoring a ton of points, and there's still some, uh, you know, th- again, th- this is not an offensive t- defenses are going to be terribly afraid of, but they're able to move the chains. They do have more playmakers on offense than just Terry McLaurin. Uh, rookie Antonio Gibson is one of the league leaders in broken tackles. Uh, J.D. McKissick is sort of a classic third down running back who really is somebody that Alex Smith has looked to a lot. Logan Thomas has been interesting at, at, at tight end. And, and Cam Sims the last couple of weeks because of injuries has stepped into the receiver role and given them a big target on the outside. Again, I'm not saying that this is that they don't need to add upgrade at some of these spots during the offseason. But they've done enough. And I think that is in large part because of the quarterback's play have just been more has been more efficient. And that's opened things up. So I think they're just at a decent baseline. The next step for them as a franchise is to how do we go to another level? But they've gone from being incredibly pedestrian to, OK, now we're an actual NFL offense and you know we, we can do what we can do some things. And, you know, like last week, I mean, they, you know, they were down 24 to three, came back to tie it, lost in the last second, a literal last second field goal uh, right before overtime. But they can they, they, you have to now pay attention to their offense in all phases that you didn't have to earlier in the season. How much is it still McLaurin centric? I mean, obviously, you know, he has been uh, a revelation for them since he showed up. And that's it, it, but how much does it still kind of all run through him? Or are they starting? Are they starting to be a little bit more than that? Uh, yes. I mean, he is still the, the, the primary focal point in the receiving game. Absolutely. Uh, he's been a dynamic threat for them. Just an incredibly polished, great route runner. He's got speed, very mature kid. Um, but th- like I said, they're starting to have a few more options. Uh, uh, J.D. McKissick is, you know, he's he's leading the team in snaps or leading the running backs, I should say, in snaps. And he's really been a, a heavy, a heavily targeted player by Alex Smith the last couple weeks in particular. Um, he can run, he can catch. When he gets the ball in his hands, I, I, I joke you in training camp. He's like a guy, He's like a video game player. He's really good at hitting that spin button. Um, <laughs> he, he's he's good at creating space for himself. And um, you know uh, they've bounced that that second and third receiver spots because of injuries and and some other factors. They've kind of bounced around. Cam Sims, who was an undrafted free agent out of Alabama three years ago, and has just never quite been able to crack the rotation for a variety of reasons. 
he's he's looked good now the last couple of weeks. He's a big guy. Um, he plays with a lot of energy. Steven Sims just came off injured reserve a, a couple of weeks ago, and he was a real threat for them late last year as a, in the, as a slot threat. Hasn't quite had the same impact this year, but he's somebody the defenses have to pay attention to. And, um, you know, like I said, Logan Thomas, uh, I don't think there was a lot of high expectations for him at tight end. He's now dominates the snaps at that position, and he's been largely a pretty decent uh, receiving threat for them. So, yeah, again, it, it's not where you're like, wow, how uh, it's, uh, it's so scary across the board beyond McLaurin. But, yes, if you're not going to go double McLaurin, which teams often do, they've shown they have some other guys who can at least help move the chains, make some plays. And like I said, I don't think that's something most people thought they had at the beginning of the year. Have you seen teams travel other uh, top corner against McLaurin a lot, or is that not something that's happened very often? Uh, it's a little bit. They're bracketing him. I mean, they're definitely yeah. the guy to pay attention to. But, you know, other than – I'm pretty sure other than the game against the Rams where Jalen Ramsey was, was on him, and, and, and it was also a weird game. They were playing in the rain. Alex, it was Alex Smith's first game coming off the injury, and he was not good at all. I mean, they had minus six yards in the second half. Um other than that game, it's been pretty hard to stuff for anybody to stop McLaurin, no matter what they're doing, at least in some capacity. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, a little, a little bit of that for sure. Definitely the focal point without question. There's really no reason to pay too much attention to the other people, but like I said, at least they're starting to make you pay a little bit. How's Chase Young looked? He's looked good. You know, I know if you, if you just look at the sack totals, it's not a, a hugely impressive number, and most of those, most of the sacks came in the first couple weeks, but. Again, you just watch him. He just jumps off the tape from his energy. Uh, you see teams sending double, even triple teams his way. And, uh, you know, it, it helps unlock other pieces of that defense. Now, I, I would say it's the, the, it, he's looked good. Let me not lose focus on him. I mean, I think, you know, the, the, there are some quests that people are going, oh, they, they passed on to a tongue of Iola. They passed on Justin Herbert. If you already benched Dwayne Haskins, was that, was that a mistake? And, you know, that's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking stuff, and I'm not going to go there. For the most part, yeah, maybe, but not 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 really. Um, but no, but Chase Young has looked really good. I mean, everything you would, would have wanted to see out of him. And I think, you know, I, I wrote the other uh, a week or so ago on the Athletic that the it's not just enough to have young talent. Everybody can draft first round players. You have to have young talent that understand what it takes to win. That you could point a coach can point to and say that's the hardest worker. Do what he's doing between Chase Young and Terry McLaurin. They have two guys and there and a couple other ones who are those types of players that you can build around on that front. I think that's what kind of where that hope from that I mentioned before, even though the record is what it is, it's guys like that, that you think, okay, they have some guys who get it. And he, Chase Young seems to be very much um, in that mold for sure. As a whole with the pass rush, I mean, it's been for the, from a Bengals perspective, uh, you know, it's, it's the matchup problem they have. Their line is, is okay to bad, depending on the week and, and teams that have really elite pass rushes that can really get after the pass, the passer have been trouble because they love their matchups on the outside. They like their receiving core. Where is the, the pass rush for Washington? Because as a whole, you see a lot of pass rushers. You kind of wrote about how it's maybe not been as dynamic as maybe it was in certain spots this year. Where, where is the pass rush at? Is that somewhere they feel like can be a big advantage for them on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, on paper, they've got a lot of options. I mean, Chase Young, as I mentioned, Montez Sweat was a first-round pick last year, and he's really been a force out there uh, getting after the getting after the passer and even just you know, chasing down uh, ball carriers. Ryan Kerrigan is not close to the player that he was when he's been a Pro Bowl-level player throughout his career, but he's been – it's ridiculous. He has, like, four or five sacks on, like, no 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 snaps. It's like he's, he plays – he doesn't even play that much and still gets a sack one way or the other. And then you have guys in the middle like Jonathan Allen 
and Deron Payne. Deron Payne's more of a run stuffer than a, than, than a, 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 a pass rusher, but you know they they have to be accounted for. They lost early in the year. Matt Ioannidis, who was one of their leaders, um, sack leaders with, with the season-ending injury. So they have options. They don't get too much out of the linebacker core. They have been blitzing a bit more lately with rookie uh, Cam uh, Cam Curl at safety. He effectively replaced Landon Collins. Um, so he, they're using him a little bit more in that in that sense. So they do have some options. It's been a weird though dynamic. If you just look at the numbers, the defense looks like it's really good. The top ten in a lot of categories. Uh, they, they may still be leading the league in yards in passing yards allowed. But when you watch them play week in and week out, it doesn't feel that way. They give up a forty yard pass every game. And if you really dive into the numbers, the two weeks that they played at teams that were just ravaged with injuries on the offensive line. Week one against Philadelphia, week seven against Dallas. That was when Andy Dalton got knocked, knocked out and they were down to Ben DiNucci and, 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 and like they had none of the traditional offensive line starters. In those games, Washington accounted for 14 sacks. In the other games, they've accounted for 14 sacks. And the, also opponents have run in those other games, the, not the Philly, not the Dallas game. Opponents have run for at least 100 yards on the ground. And last week, it was just over 100 against Detroit. Before that, it was at least 122. So despite the fact that the defensive line has first-rounders across the line and there's some other interesting players on defense, it's not it, – it, it doesn't – it has not been a shutdown defense. Um, the offense will make mistakes and put them in bad spots, but you don't have to give up a touchdown is basically my line um, all year. And it's that's been a struggle for them. So – there's reason to be optimistic and they could at any minute be a force. And maybe that happens on Sunday, but it is not a consistent thing unless the other team has just been completely beat up on the line. Do you have a gut feel for how you think Sunday will go or. Um, I, I was doing pretty good. Like just in terms of like straight up, I, I, I had been right on every pick before. Wait, no, no, I've been writing every pick before the Giants game in week nine. So I basically I'm eight and one on that sense. I don't have a good feel for this one because I don't know what to make of you guys because yeah. I feel I feel like it, you know, neither do the Bengals. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, Washington's probably biggest problem overall is they really have slow starts. They haven't scored on their first possession this year, but even beyond just that one possession, they, they just fall behind every game in the first half and have to play catch up. Now they have a little more uh, options to do that with Alex Smith. Um, you know, and playing playing a decent football the last the last uh, two games. But how do you you can't keep falling behind? And I don't know. I my sense, I guess, with you guys is that's kind of what your your, your mo is also. Um, and I just see more or less highlights of Joe Burrow, and it's like, wow, this guy is really good, and I'm I'm excited to watch him play. But he's also still a rookie, and Washington's defense, like I said, does have potential to do more. But we'll we'll, we'll see. So I I don't I don't know. I mean, when you have two teams that are just Record-wise and probably realistic-wise, not that good. I, I and unfortunately, that's every game I see. <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> NFC East is obviously so horrendous. So every game, yeah. I'm just like, I, I, it'll I be just know. like another NFC East game for you. You know, it kind of Bengals kind of like an NFC East team, really, in so many ways. Uh, you know, it's the Bengals have in the games they have played well, in the games that they have won, Tennessee, um, Jacksonville. Um, even that they lost in Indianapolis, they got out to very quick starts. They were up twenty-one nothing in Indianapolis. Um, they jumped all over Tennessee immediately. They've had some good first quarters of late, really since Burrow has really. You'd have to you got to kind of look at him really in the last four or five weeks. You know, the, the early in the season, he was still trying to figure things out, efficiency, learn the game a little bit more. As he's quickly picked it up, you see their offense has really jumped up in the last month plus, and that has been featuring a lot of fast starts. That's 
going to maybe be a really interesting aspect of this game is is if they can do that again against a, a you know a Washington team that maybe has struggled with that. So something to watch. We maybe we came up with something to watch here uh, uh, in this. So maybe a reason to watch, which is kind of a tough sell at this point. So <laughs> I mean, I'll just say it's like just sort of a my own curiosity thing. I mean, obviously Joe Burrow is you know you guys have seen him every week. I'm sort of curious, but like I wrote a few weeks ago uh, in the athletic, this is sort of a deep dive about Alex Smith from the perspective of all the urban Meyer quarterbacks and that urban Meyer kind of said he was the template for what going, what he was looking for going forward on the college level. And that the one time he had an assistant coach say, Hey, I found your guy is when they said, I found Joe Burrow. And um, oddly enough, he, of course, that's the guy he doesn't pick to be the starter picks Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Haskins had a great year at Ohio state. So urban Meyer didn't make the wrong call per se on that front, even though Joe Burrow did what he did at LSU, but it is interesting now on the NFL front that, you know, it looks like it was a clear mistake based on how things are going with those two guys. Yeah. Burrow and Haskins. And, 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 and Washington being right there with the second pick that could have had Burrow and brought him into another competition with Dwayne Haskins. What could have been the storylines that could have been for you. You could have, you had another great storyline, Ben. (laughs) I, I, I I wouldn't even know how to have comprehended an actual quarterback (laughs) battle like that. If that was, if that was the way, yeah. I mean, I, you know, if Tua Tunga Viola is, doesn't get hurt, he's healthy. Is he the number one pick? I, I don't know, but if he, either way, Somebody was going to be there. If it had been Burrow, oh my lord, that would have been off the would charts. Been, yeah. Well, no more storylines for you. You've got enough. We don't need to give you any more. Ben, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game on on Sunday and uh, and and the rest of the season. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Good good luck. All right, let's break here and hear from a sponsor. All right. Much thanks to Ben for taking some time out and uh, sh- sharing what has been. You know, 2020 has been rough on a lot of people, but the Washington formerly Redskins, now football team beat writers have really seen a lot. They've really, I mean, the entire organization has overhauled, including the name. You know, they had the very serious allegations in their front office and across their entire team culture. Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins is benched. Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera battling cancer. Man, it's just, it has been insane what's going on there. But they are 2-7, and seven, and I would argue a game the Bengals should, if they want to be anything, win. And they have not won a road game under Zach Taylor, Jay. I don't know if we're aware of that. Um, can you please allow us all to in- indulge in some beautiful, sad Jay's Got Stats about the current Bengals winless road streak yeah i i initially tweeted out that it was a losing streak and that's not the case because they they had that tie in philadelphia so the technically this is a road winless streak and it it sits at 18 it, it goes back to october 21st 2018 to the present and the the record is 26 by the detroit lions the the bengals at 18 are they, they they're tied let me count this real quick one three four five six seven they are tied for the eighth longest streak in nfl history and the teams they're tied with are the san francisco 49ers who everybody knows and the dayton triangles oh dayton triangles <laughs> shout out dayton triangles who in this streak of 18 straight winless road games that's all they played 
They played 18 straight road games. <laughs> the, the, the Dayton Triangle's last win of any sort was against the New York Yankees, who I never knew was a football team. So, <laughs> so if the if the Bengals don't win in Washington, it goes to 19, and then they are tied for the sixth longest streak in NFL history. And the, the thing about the Dayton Triangle is I think everybody loves just hearing that because it's a weird name. A lot of people didn't know they exist. Um, the, the Dayton Triangle is in a roundabout way are responsible for the situation we're in with, with A.J. Green right yeah. now because the whole decision to go practice in Dayton for the first practice of training camp last year was to honor the 100-year history of the NFL and pay homage to the – Dayton Triangles, and they were supposed to play on some other field, and then it was deemed to be a, an Indian burial ground. So they said, well, do, do you have any fields that just have a little bit of rocks on them, and maybe we can practice there? And they're like, yeah, we've got Welcome Stadium. Come on down to there. And uh, That turf's yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. It's just well, like it, – I mean, it's basically the turf that the Dayton Triangles played on. We're going to clean it next week, but you're welcome to practice on it this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i have a i have an addition to your uh sad road stats it comes from our guy rj bell and i had this in twib he tweeted this out this week uh in the last 16 Bengals road games they've won zero they're 0 15 and one as far as you just mentioned but they have covered 73 percent wow how about that league-wide other road teams during the same period lost the game yet still covered only 18 percent of the time the average spread was six for those. The Bengals' average spread, 8.2. His conclusion, Bengals suck, but not quite as bad as people think. <laughs> great tweet from RJ Bell and great insight. I mean, it is. The Bengals have been covering losing machines. Uh, they really they really have been. It's going to be hard to do because it depends on when you got in on this line. It opened it opened as a pick em where I saw in a lot of places and has kind of moved – to the football team by one to one and a half in most places. So the Bengals would have to lose by one. Ooh. Or. <laughs> or win. Or tie. Or tie. <laughs> Another tie. Could it be? Now, they did tie the they did tie the Washington then Redskins now now football team in London in 2016. Thanks to a missed Dustin Hopkins field goal. And as you know, Dustin Hopkins now currently a little wonky. So maybe that could maybe it could repeat itself, but this time in America. That that game, uh, I've got a a stat slash trivia question for you. Ooh, and it, this isn't. I mean, it's this is kind of it, it's not specific to the the question specific to the Bengals. That the issue is not limited to the Bengals but that that game that game in London that tie was 2016 it was almost exactly four years ago it was week eight 2016 of the 80 players on the Bengals right now and that includes the 53-man roster the practice squad the COVID list IR all that of those 80 players how many of them played in that game 2016 yep Ooh. That was a much different group. Andrew Whitworth was on that team. He was. Um, wow. I, I will say 11, 10, 10. 
Yeah, very close. It was nine. Nine? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Oh, oh, three starters. AJ Green, Geno Atkins, and Sean Williams. Three three players started then. They're not starters mm-hmm. now. And then you have the old standbys, the special teamers, Kevin Huber and Clark Harris. And then Alex Erickson, Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Boyd, and gone but not forgotten and now back, Margus Hunt. Oh, Margus. Margus gives you the nine. How about that? He counts. Yes. He counts. Uh, the, the, the Redskins in that game have eight players remaining who who played in that contest. So just four years ago, both rosters major over overhauls. Yeah. You know, that's the way it goes uh, mm-hmm. when spe- – in, in general, and then definitely when you lose tilts, um, like these two franchises have in recent years, um, <clears throat> that's good. That's good trivia right there. Um, let's let's. What are we gonna? What are you? What are we looking for on Sunday? Let's let's get into predictions, and then we'll get into growler bet and talk about where we're at. What? Are you, how are we viewing? What's your gut on this one? I'm going 24-24 tie. You're calling the tie? I'm calling the tie. <laughs> wow. No, nobody ties as frequently as the Bengals, and it just feels it's two bad teams. <laughs> neither team deserves to win, so neither team will. Um, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to go way out on the limb. It, what I if mean, the Bengals could tie the entire NFC East? This oh, would be that would four be ties against the entire NFC East. This is This is the dream scenario. The odds of that are still better than someone getting the growler bet this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a that could be a run pass or boot of most likelies. Um, oh, that reminds me, we need to run pass or boot before we. So you're calling the tie today. That kind of opens you up and run pass or boot this week. It does because our run pass or boot is going to be when will the Bengals and when will Zach Taylor get that first road win? Will it be this weekend against Washington? Will it be one of the next two road games after that, which is at Miami, at Houston? Or not at all this year. Run, pass, or boot. I guess if you're calling for the tie this weekend, you might not be so you might not be so keen. Yeah, I mean I I have to run with Miami or Houston because I called the tie and I'm booting None at all. They're they're going to win one of these. They might they might even win Washington. I mean, it's I'm not putting money on the fact that they're going to tie. I'm just I'm just calling it to call it. But I I don't know that they can win in Miami. Miami's playing so well right now, but Houston's just a wreck. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't go down there and win that game, unless they're just in a total skid and they've not won any games in this half of the season and and you can see things really spiraling, but I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'll run with Miami slash Houston. I'll pass on Washington and I'll, I'll boot none at all. Okay. Uh, I'm going to run with Washington. I'm going to run with it happening this weekend. I will pass on Houston, Miami. I'll boot none at all. I'm with you. I think I, I'm in agreement on that and maybe we look silly. And if we, you know, if that's the case, um, you know, revert to Tuesday's podcast of what happens of what comes next as far as conversations if that's the case but I I don't see that I I I do think that they have when you look at the winability of Houston and Washington and Miami is another opportunity um that you know I think they get one of those I really do um so I will 
I'll boot none at all. I'll say wash. I, I think you could go either way. I mean, it just depends on how you view this Washington game, which is essentially a coin flip. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll take Washington and I'll, I'll pass on the other on the other two. So I guess I'm you know I just I'm Ben mentioned something and I think it's an interesting way to look at this is one area that has been a consistent struggle for the football team this year has been slow starts and falling behind and one area that we have seen the Bengals do fairly well this year actually in in a lot of points particularly of late. Uh, not in Pittsburgh, of course, but that you gotta kind of throw that out because they always suck against Pittsburgh. Is they they have started fast. And when you look at Indianapolis, you look at the way they played offensively against Cleveland and even Jacksonville, um, moving the ball, um, and certainly in their win against Tennessee, um, they have started fast. They have been able to get out there and 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 find a way to get up early. I think that, that could be a key for them in, in getting this done. But then it goes back to they haven't finished very well, so maybe we're, we end up back in the same place. But um, I, I have I have the Bengals winning. I have the Bengals winning uh, thirty-one to twenty-six in this one with a fast start being the difference, and uh, them checking off the road win box. I think it, I think it happens this weekend. I do. Um. Bengals growler bet. Get ready, people. Here's the thing. You know, I I felt I was ni- I was nice, even though I was just kind of abiding by the rules last week. I'm not making anybody show their work. People got it. We've now we've now given away what three growlers already now this season. Yeah. I'm sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I'm maybe I am the sadistic nun. Maybe I am the sadistic nun, but right now, this is how I feel. Growler bet this week. Remember, you can send in your one entry submission email to me, P Daner, P D E H N E R, at theathletic.com, or hit us up on Twitter uh, with the hashtag Bengals Growler Bet all together. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet in your response. Uh, and we will count that as a, your single submission as long as it's timestamped before kickoff. If you win, you can get a, a delicious growler on us of any 50 West beer because it's delicious and we are, and you love it, but you're probably not going to get it this week. Here it is. I need you to show your work. I need Joe Burrow yards per attempt times Joe Burrow total yards. So you need to get both those numbers correct. You need yards per <laughs> attempt and total passing yards from Joe Burrow. Now, that will equal one final number. You can choose to do the math if you'd like to. Um, if you don't, that's fine. But you need to get both of those right. Uh, so it's going to be yards per attempt and total passing yards from Joe Burrow is this week's Bengals growler bet. Jay, do you have a, do you have an answer on that? Well, first, since we're making it so hard and since we're using yards per attempt, do they have to get it to the decimal point? Yes, one decimal. So <laughs> six point not was his average is six point seven this year. So six point oh seven would be the number. Yes, correct. Not, oh, I'm not, not could, no, not the yards per attempt. I mean that total number that that 
six point whatever times whatever that the final you got to get number. two numbers exactly correct one so if you okay. go by his averages what's he's averaging yards per game 290 or 280 or something 6.7 and 280 would be your answer okay I see what you're saying. So you, the, the final number doesn't matter because if you final get the number, first two, you can first two, right? Feel you... free to do the math <laughs> uh, to give a final number, uh, but you need to get them both dead on, accurate, correct in order yeah. to win. All right, I'm going to go six point nine and three hundred and three. Okay, I I think he has a decent day. Um, I'll go. I'll go seven point six. And three twenty-two. Since I'm, I'm I'm on here calling for wins, might as well give Burrow a good day. I think he's got he's had that rebuttal game. He's had that bounce back to him all year. Uh, I think he does after what happened in Pittsburgh. And so, good day for him. Shoot us your growler bet submissions, even though they're going to be futile. Uh, and see if you can win. If you do, you there will be major props. Major props given, uh, and and a growler. So you got that. And a shout out again, to everybody that has won so far this year. Um, they, uh, I don't know if Bobby has done the delivery yet. If we've done that yet, we're we're still or we're still working on a on a mass event there. But um, I know that those have been pretty impressive. But no more. But no more. Uh, all right. So Bengals, Washington, one o'clock. Sunday, we of course will have the walkout for you after. So make sure you check that out, and of course subscribe uh, to the Athletic, where we have all of your coverage of not just the Bengals, but every team in the league, every league in the country, and even out of the country in the Premier League. Um, we we've got you covered on everything, and so um, we'd love to have you under our umbrella. Of uh, sports coverage here, we we make it worth your while. Um, again, head on over to the lead, our our daily podcast. If you want to hear more uh, about Joe Burrow, so we had the the Joe Burrow edition of the lead today. So you can hop on over to that. Just fifteen minutes. Um, if you want, if you just can't get enough Bengals Joe Burrow content, it's there for you. Uh, so we will talk to you again on Sunday night. Looking forward to that. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend, enjoys the game. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.